0: I invite you to open your Bible, if it is the English Standard Version, if not the Pew Bible, to Psalm 90 for the unison reading of God's holy word. This is um, a psalm longer than the other psalms we've read this summer, Um but let's not hurry through it as we read in unison. Let us meditate on the word as we read it. And first let us seek God's blessing. O oh, gracious God, we give you thanks that in your grace and mercy you have shown yourself to be our God through your Son, Jesus Christ, and our Father through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have spoken your words of grace and mercy and steadfast love to us. Now we pray, O Lord, that as we read your holy word, it might sink deep into our souls and renew our minds and enable us all the more to worship you and to serve you all our days, even into eternity, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We'll begin by reading the heading, which is part of the original manuscript. Psalm 90, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath, we bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength eighty, yet their span is but toil and trouble. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And now may the words of My mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The book of Psalms is the hymn book of the Bible. When we sing the Psalms, we sing the inspired word of God. And learning hymns based on the Psalms is a very effective way of memorizing the essence of the Psalms. This morning, we will be singing musical settings of two Psalms. Psalm 23, the king of love, my shepherd is. And, in fact, this Psalm, Psalm 90, our God, our help in ages past. A hymn which I learned And learned by heart during my childhood by singing it hundreds of times while growing up in this sanctuary. That gets us to this momentous occasion final service of worship in this sanctuary. I don't want to over-sentimentalize. I know that the fact that this is the final worship service in this quaint, cozy, warm sanctuary will mean more to you more to some of you than than to others. Some of you have worshipped in this sanctuary for 65 years. And for some of you, that means, practically speaking, all your life. So if you're feeling just a little touch and tinge of Grief, a little melancholy, bittersweetness today, that's okay. Quite natural. Whenever we let go of and move on from something that's familiar and dear to us, there are a lot of, lot of meaningful memories that have been made in this sanctuary for 65 years. Some of you, I know, are just glad that we're finally moving into the new sanctuary so you'll have a place to sit and spread out a little bit. I get that. And we're going to celebrate that with thanksgiving and joy this afternoon in our special five o'clock service. Now, if you're wondering if this really has anything to do with Psalm 90, let me say, well, yes, today it does. (laughs) And what I mean by this is what I mean by that is this Psalm 90 is about the transitory nature of human life, the passing of time as in an instant, and the temporary nature of all things on earth. Psalm 90 is about the brevity of human life, the fragility of human life, the mortality of human life, and the threat, the threat of the futility of human life. In contrast to The eternality, the eternal nature, the unchangeableness, the infinity, the immortality of God. Psalm 90 is a prayer of Moses, the man of God. This is the only psalm attributed to Moses. It was likely written during that 40-year period when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness after God had pronounced his judgment upon that unbelieving generation of Israelites, 20 years of age and older, who had grumbled and complained against Moses and had been afraid to follow Joshua and Caleb into the land of Canaan due to the size and strength of the inhabitants of the land. The words of God's judgment are recorded in the 14th chapter of the book of Numbers. And by the way, the call to confession and repentance, which we read from the letter to the Hebrews, warning us not to, quote, harden our hearts as in the rebellion, is a direct allusion reference to the Israelites' unbelief in the wilderness. So to some degree... The the historical context of this psalm, God's judgment upon the unbelieving Israelites in the wilderness, explains its somber tone and its repeated references to God's anger and wrath. But Psalm 90 speaks to us and for us as well. It is not merely an historical artifact. It is the living word of God for the people of God today. This prayer of Moses begins with an affirmation of faith. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Now now listen to those words as spoken in their historical context. Moses and the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness. They had no dwelling place, no houses, no city, no fortress. They were pilgrims and sojourners upon the earth. God had instructed Moses to, con- to build the tabernacle, the tent of meeting in the wilderness. It was the mobile, transportable sanctuary which traveled with them on their journey so that the Lord might dwell in their midst as they sojourned through the wilderness The Lord had said to Moses with reference to this tabernacle, the tent of meeting, I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God. They shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. So while leading the Israelites through the wilderness, Moses was meditating on the fact that, That God was dwelling with them and therefore God himself was their only dwelling place. They had no place to call their own. Only he, the eternal and invisible God, was their dwelling place because he was with them. And such it had been ever since the Lord had called Abram to leave his home and his country And go to the land which the Lord would show him. God's people throughout all their generations had been strangers and pilgrims and sojourners upon the earth. But the Lord had always been with them. And so Moses affirmed, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. While meditating on that reality... Moses' mind was then lifted to meditate on the nature of God himself, God's eternal being and infinite power. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever, you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. Oh, listen to that. Memorize that. Meditate on that. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. These are words of divine revelation. They push the limits of our finite comprehension. We, we can hardly contemplate an infinity past, an eternity past before the beginning of time without beginning. The angels around the throne of God sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come from eternity past into eternity future. We sang a moment ago we sang the angel's hymn of praise. Did you get that? Now, now make the connection. Cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee who wert and art and evermore shall be. Now think about this. From everlasting to everlasting you are God. By the inspiration of... Stay with me here. By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, those words are Moses' way of expressing poetically what God himself had said about himself when he revealed his name to Moses out of the burning bush. I am that I am. That is God's name which reveals His eternal nature. Yahweh. I am that. I am the one and only true and living God is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in His being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. He is dependent on nothing for His eternal self-existence. He needs nothing To sustain Him everlastingly. And He has all life and blessedness in and of Himself. He is life. The eternally self-existent being who does not faint or grow weary from everlasting eternity past without beginning to everlasting eternity future without end. You are God. And so, in the light of the infinity, eternality, and immortality of God, Moses leads us now in a meditation upon the brevity, fragility, mortality, and the threat of the futility of human life. Verse 3 says, You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. Now, The Hebrew literally reads, O children of Adam, and that's important. Because we can see from verse 3 that Psalm 90 has to do not only with the Israelites in the wilderness, but in fact with all humanity under the curse of death due to Adam's sin. Verse 3 alludes to the curse God pronounced upon Adam after he had sinned in the Garden of Eden You are dust and to dust you shall return. The reference to death returning to dust immediately brings to mind the brevity of human life, especially in contrast to to God's eternal nature. The point is that we are nothing in comparison to God. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. The passing of time has no effect whatsoever on the infinite and eternal uncreated creator who exists outside of time. But our lives are soon washed away as in a sudden flood. They are like a dream which, when you wake up in the blinking of an eye, is gone forever. Our lives are like grass which is fresh in the morning, but by this afternoon it will be withered. This theme of the brevity of life and the reality of our mortality under God's judgment due to sin continues in verses 7 through 11. We are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath, we are dismayed. All our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They're soon gone and we fly away now this sounds very morose it is very somber and a sober meditation on the reality of our mot- our mortality in this fallen world now now of course even in this fallen world many many people many of us all of us all of us enjoy blessing upon blessing of god's goodness upon us we are blessed But what Psalm 90 is impressing upon us is the reality. The reality that at the end of the day, there is the end of our days. We're going to die. Every single solitary one of us. And the reason that we're going to die is that the Holy Creator pronounced the righteous judgment of death upon us when Adam sinned. By one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. And so death spread to all because all sinned. And Romans 8, 21 tells us that this fallen corruption, the world in which we live, is, now, is, is in bondage to corruption. The creation in which we now live is in bondage to de- corruption, decay, death. And we suffer the consequences of that. That's the world in which we live. And in that sense, in the words of Psalm 90, we are brought to an end. By his anger. In that sense, in the words of Psalm 90, by his wrath we are dismayed because no matter how blessed our lives on earth may be, they are lived out under the sentence of death and there's no exception. And no matter how blessed our lives on earth may be, they still are filled with toil and trouble. Life is difficult and full of difficulties and it doesn't get any easier as we get older. Because God pronounced the judgment upon creation because of Adam's sin. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. That's the world we live in. That's toil and trouble. And the years of our life, whether they be 70 or 80 or 100, in the moment of our death, our life will have seemed like the blink of an eye. And then it's over. As Moses says, we bring our years to an end like a sigh, and they are soon gone, and we fly away. And we might wonder: were our lives just lived in vain? Was it all for nothing? Was it futility? Now, if Psalm ninety stopped here, it would leave us with a heavy and depressing sense of the futility, the the vanity, the all for nothingness of our lives. But it doesn't stop here. Rather, at this lowest point, just when we might despair, it teaches us how to pray so that we might live meaningful lives full of hope and even gladness. So, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. What is a heart of wisdom? The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. A heart of wisdom is a heart full of reverential humility, reverential humility love and submission, reverential all from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. And and, and then the psalm teaches us to cry out for God's grace and mercy return, O Lord, meaning, Lord, come to us again in your grace, in your goodness, in your steadfast love. Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and, and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Now, now do you hear? Do you hear how the psalm has shifted and how it shifts us? Got it? When we are truly humbled before the Lord, when we truly realize that He is God and we are not That He is the Holy Creator and we are creatures of dust. That He is the righteous judge and we are guilty sinners. Then we can cry out to Him for His pity, His grace, His mercy. Even look to Him for our redemption. Satisfy us in the morning with Your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Now, dearly beloved... For what is Moses praying with these words? He's praying for reconciliation, for redemption, for renewal, for restoration. He's praying for life. He's praying... But despite the fact all our days pass away under God's wrath, nevertheless he's, he's praying that God might be so gracious and merciful to us that we might rejoice and be glad all our days. How does that work? He's praying for God's free grace. He's praying for God's sovereign mercy. He's praying for God to do something for us beyond all our imagining. Moses, the man of God, was seeing in a glass darkly. Moses saw dimly from afar what has now been more clearly revealed to us in the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You remember that Jesus was the second Adam, the sinless Adam, the righteous Adam who fully bore the wrath of God against Adam's sin and all of ours, and satisfied God's justice against Adam's sin and all of ours. He died under the curse. Cursed for us on the cursed cross to remove the curse from us so that we might not perish in the wilderness of our sins but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ is the incarnation, the human flesh and blood embodiment of the everlasting God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. He was before the beginning with God. He is and he, he became the word became flesh, full of grace and truth and dwelt among us, so that we might dwell with him forever. Therefore, it is through faith in Jesus Christ alone that we are restored to everlasting life in everlasting fellowship with the everlasting God. And because Jesus lived for us and died for us and rose for us and ascended into heaven for us, where he has prepared a dwelling place for us, let not your hearts be troubled. I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many, and the word there, dwelling places, dwellings. So we have the assurance through faith in Him that we will dwell with Him and the everlasting God will be our dwelling place forever. And brothers and sisters, therefore, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. And there are some people here who have wounds that will never be fully healed until they are in their dwelling place with the living God forever. And then all wounds will be healed. And everything sad will become untrue. And we will see that our lives on earth have not been lived in vain if we live our lives for the glory of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And so, and so, with this with this resurrection life now flooding our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit, having received God's sovereign grace and mercy through Jesus Christ, we can pray, we can pray the conclusion of Psalm 90. May the favor, literally, may the beauty... May the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Yes, life is not futile. It's not lived in vain. We can pray that God will do his work in us and through us to establish the work of our hands in the assurance that our lives lived for his glory are not lived in vain and do not end in futility, do not end in dust and ashes, but in resurrection life everlasting. So tonight... This afternoon, 5 o'clock, we're going to gather in the new sanctuary to worship God who is from everlasting to everlasting. And let us pray the favor of the Lord our God to be upon us and to establish the work of our hands. The work of our hands. We did not build that new sanctuary only for ourselves. God forbid. But for hundreds and thousands Yet to come. So may the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands that in 65 years from now, indeed, if the Lord tarries 165 years from now, that sanctuary will be filled with people, generations yet unborn, praising God and hearing his word proclaimed for the glory of his name and the advance of his kingdom may the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands so that year after passing year decade after decade the gospel of Jesus Christ according to the scripture may be boldly proclaimed in the power of the Holy Spirit from that pulpit for the salvation of sinners and the edification of the saints may the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands, that God's mighty work might be shown to His servants and His glorious power to their children in generations to come. Amen. You want to pray that? You can pray that, and God will answer it, for He is our dwelling place in all generations and forever and ever and ever and ever without end. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen. Oh, Lord, our God. We give you thanks for the promises of your word. And we pray that in your grace and mercy you would make us to be a God-honoring, Christ-exalting, Congregation of your servants, to the glory of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In response to the word of God, let us stand to affirm our faith as we say together the Philippian Creed. Christians, in whom do you believe? We believe in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name